Deanna, a couple of weeks ago, we began uh, talking in our podcast about uh, world religions, and we um, started with Martin Luther, and that led us into talking about Catholicism. We've talked about Islam. Uh, We want to talk today about uh, what would be the world's third largest religion and then the the component natural outflow of it so Hinduism and Buddhism and and we'll talk about both of those together and just how to think about those understand them a little bit better uh, and and then how to approach people who have that mentality or worldview and living in America you may think well I'm not going to run into a lot of people that are Hindu followers or Buddhists um, but they so influence our culture that it's probably a good idea to have an understanding of that worldview. You may actually talk to somebody that is a practicing Hindu or Buddhist, but you're definitely going to talk to people that have been influenced by the ideas. And so having some knowledge and understanding of it and how to approach that worldview is a good thing to do, I think. Yeah, and it's a worldview that is so complex. It has so many facets to it. And it is the Hinduism being the oldest religion that we are aware of having so many complexities to it because there's so many creation stories to it there's not just one creation story or one ethic law that people can follow instead it's got many creation stories many different gods within it and so when you start talking to somebody who's hindu there's going to be a pretty long conversation in understanding where they're at in the journey And last year, we took some students over to a lady who had a temple. Mm -hmm. And she had all the gods in her temple, and we were visiting with her. And I listened for a good 45 minutes just trying to understand. And so just trying to get some sort of overview is helpful to understand that they do have gods and they do worship in temples and they do have writings that they call the Vedas. That's really the core. The Bhagavad Gita is the most popular one that we're going to hear about. And within all of that, they are aiming to free themselves from this world of suffering. Yeah, which is at the heart of what Hinduism is saying the, the need of humanity is uh, to escape suffering. Um, and that, that's our common human problem, the, the, the idea of suffering or the fact that we suffer. So the, the desire to escape that. But the complexity, as you're talking about it, uh, is astounding and and so we do need to just go into anybody we're talking to that may have a Hindu background or who claims to be a Hindu or has been influenced just by that kind of thinking you do have to talk a lot to just kind of hear where they're coming from because it can be very different from person to person or people group to people group or what their own knowledge level is in terms of their journey with it. And so it's it's not going to be uh, something that you can, like with some religion you can go, this is their God, this is how they worship, this is, 
it's going to be very different and drastic across the board. And so lots of conversation will take place and just talking to understand and talking to let them be heard. But this whole idea of, of suffering with Hindus, uh, that, that is, that is our greatest problem. And so they had this, uh, desire to accomplish four things, or they think everyone wants four things that all people are after four things. They have language for it, but really starting with the idea of success. As we are going into these aims, let me say this too, that Hinduists believe that they have been separated from the Brahman, from the reality, and they are living in this illusion in hopes of attaining these behaviors so that they can escape this suffering and they reincarnate from one life to the next in hopes of becoming awakened from this illusion so that they can be reconnected to the reality which is brahman and right now they're in this separateness so they are trying to attain these aims so that they can escape this life, ultimately being reconnected to the Brahman and being awakened to reality. Now, success in their eyes are things like education, doing well in life and there is a will within them to be able to be better and to do better and this is the success that is trying to be attained it's difficult to communicate what it is (laughs) because it's so foreign to the western mindset and worldview Uh, and and I, i think that's one of the challenges is it it's it's so it's so different in its way of thinking, and the, the the Eastern culture is so different than the Western culture, and it, it fits very well within their culture. Mm-hmm. We try to talk about it, and it just it just doesn't fit. Like it's none of none of the pegs are going in the right holes as you even try to communicate about it. And I think that's one of the things that makes us stand off when we hear somebody begin to talk about those ideas or express maybe this could be true or or somebody that's from a, a culture where Hinduism has been in their background. We want to just shy away from that because it's so foreign to us and its concept. But wanting to end this cycle of what we call reality, which is nothing but suffering, and and be awakened and enlightened to uh to the real reality mm-hmm. uh, it, it is their goal. And so success, success the, the, the path to, to um, get out of um, your struggles or your sufferings. Um, and so you, you achieve success, you seek pleasure, you go after, uh, you, you have your duty in life and the world. And so discharging your duty properly and well uh, it, this is how you're achieving your status. Mm-hmm. And and really what's interesting is that these are all works that you're trying to produce so that you reincarnate into your next life. And the better you are in each life, then you're higher in reaching that point where you're becoming one with the Brahman. Well, how, one of the ways we can recognize uh 
that we're maybe dealing with somebody that's got that kind of background or where we see it maybe in our culture just to begin to like be a people that recognizes that it's out there is uh, you see home altars, you see shrines, uh, you'll see uh, candles, you'll see food or flowers laying at the, at the uh, foot of a statue or next to a statue or a shrine in a home or in a business. And you see these things and, and you realize, okay, that's where their culture and their worldview is. And we want to connect with these people. So we shouldn't let that cause us fear. Those can be opportunities to ask some questions and begin to dialogue with them. But it's one way to kind of recognize where they're coming from. Uh, and we um, talk about um, the idea of uh, even karma and how that's influenced our world and our culture. You hear that word, you hear people think that way, but uh, just wanting to get some pointers to people to go, do you see this in our world? Do you ever encounter this? Yeah, and also you would hear yoga, meditation, mm-hmm. yeah. and those are going to be key words that people are using. If they are leaving work and they are saying they're going to their yoga class, then that might be an indication that they're seeking some kind of spirituality. Now, mm-hmm. it may not be, but it might very well be. Right. And I remember one time when we were doing some study and doing some research, and we visited a place to ask some questions about yoga and they had just finished some instruction there was a lady who was walking out and she looked at the yoga teacher and she said oh i i so needed that today because Mm -hmm. my day was so full my head was so full and now i've cleared my mind and i'm calm thank you so much for teaching the yoga class and and that is one thing that they are trying to help people do in their belief system is that they do believe that they're bringing some sort of release Mm -hmm. from the suffering of this world through meditation that is helping them for the next world to to make this better to exit this suffering life and this suffering cycle right yeah and um that, that that's a good indicator that the idea of yoga and obviously not everybody that does yoga is practicing hinduism but what they are revealing is they're looking for something that brings peace and calm and uh joy or pleasure or stress relief or something to they're looking for something in their life and if they're looking for something they need jesus and they need the word of god and so uh you don't have to confront them with oh you must be hindu you just realize they need something they're looking they're looking for something they're carrying burdens and they're looking for freedom from that and that's their answer uh, we know that there's the teachings of hinduism and then there's the practice of hinduism the teachings the vedas you were talking about the practices of, of yoga and some of their other works and merits and duties, but those are two really common ways we see that. So Buddhism comes into this story because Buddhism comes from the fact that there was someone on a journey looking for answers to the world and life became enlightened and awakened, which is what Hinduism is after. He became the way maker. Uh, for others to follow. So what happened with Buddha is that he was in these rich surroundings and his dad was a king, his his mom died at birth and he basically was in his home 
till he was 26 years old. When he was 26, he left his home and went out into the city. And he looked around and he saw all this suffering and he goes, wait a second, this can't be happening. How do we get rid of all this suffering? It obviously isn't in the Hindu system. So I'm going to go seek the truth. But he was so immersed in the Hinduism ideas that he took a lot of that with him. Well, he made his way into another town. And when he was there, he found a Bodha tree that he was sitting under meditating, Mm -hmm. which comes out of the Hinduism religion. And while he was meditating, he becomes enlightened, spends seven days there and basically says that he's found this new way, Mm -hmm. right? This middle way. And when he finds this middle way, he begins to teach people this four, these four noble truths and that it happens through the eightfold path. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's going to bring some of this Hinduism into his thought process, but he's never going to proclaim to be God or no God. Right. Yeah. And some people think of Buddha as a God and he never claimed to be God. They don't worship him as a God. Hinduism has lots of gods, so there's not a God in Hinduism. Tons of gods they usually relate to creation and things that you can see. Um, He doesn't claim to be become a god or be a god, but he is this way maker. And, and, and you know, uh, he. what's interesting about you saying that is within Hinduism, people would say it's pantheism, right? Mm-hmm. Within Buddhism, they would say that it's agnosticism or atheism. And some people in Buddhism have taken on to worship Buddha as a god, right. but it really is an atheistic way of living yeah yeah there is there is no god you're just trying to be enlightened and escape your suffering that's what you're trying to do you're not necessarily worshiping a deity Mm -hmm. Uh, you're you're trying to work through these four noble truths and this eight paths that he taught and of course there's variations of that that have come but um the 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 noble truths and it, it all goes back to suffering again and into works righteousness a desire for working and earning and merit uh, but really uh, the truths begin with the fact that to live is to suffer um, and 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 we want to escape suffering uh, and and suffering is caused by our desires and so it, it's something that you overcome by um, kind of an ascetic approach to religion or worship and that's what Buddha had tried to do and that didn't work for him but to to try to deprive yourself so that you can move forward you can move yourself forward on this path toward enlightenment yes that is exactly right and the Dalai Lama is quoted oftentimes mm-hmm. and the Dalai Lama is one who is known to be out of Tibet right but very popular and this is someone who instead of reaching Moscow like you do in Hinduism you reach Nirvana right okay so 
they also would say that they have the atman, the soul of what we would say is a soul, mm -hmm. and that it's going to be awakened. Now, nobody knows with clarity what happens when someone is awakened. No one knows what that after point is like, and they don't try to describe it in any certain way. But the Dalai Lama is someone who almost reached that point and could have gone into nirvana but decided that he wanted to help people right. so he came back and stayed here yeah and and that's one of the difficult things in trying to converse because we have we have a clear path and eternal destiny you you believe in christ and you go to heaven you don't you go to hell and, and we kind of have eternity figured out stated described and we want to find that in other religions Yes. Right, so you're looking, you're having this conversation. Well, what do you believe is going to happen to you when you die? And in Hinduism and Buddhism, both they're going to go. I don't know, in, and you can't know. Yeah. In fact, I asked a young lady one time, "What will happen to you after you die?" And she said, "I don't know." Yeah. Yeah, and and you shouldn't ex be expected to know even, right? Yeah, <laughs> because you don't know what is what is after Nirvana. Right. And um, you're working and doing good and hoping the karma is in play. And so this life and the next life, will I be on another journey of suffering? Will I be better? Will I be further back? And you, you don't know. And you could come back as an animal. You could come back as a person. You don't really know what you're going to come back to. The only goal you have is to escape suffering, which is so different from Christianity. Yeah. Because we have a Savior who suffered, who came intentionally to suffer and to suffer for us and said that following him would entail suffering. Uh, suffering is not the goal. You don't set out to suffer. And you do escape suffering in heaven. The eternal state is all things are made right, so there's no possibilities of suffering anymore. But the Christian life is very much a life that will be marked by suffering just as our Savior's life was marked by suffering. So it's, we're not trying to escape it. We don't, we don't accept Christ to escape the suffering. We take Christ because he's greater than all things, understanding that it could mean suffering, it will mean suffering. And, and in fact, calls us to die to self. There's a constant killing of self. There's, a, there's really a push to kill off the old man. And a lot of times people will try to say, oh, well, the religions are trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So there's just many paths and we can all get to the same place. You're just calling it Christianity and we're calling it Hinduism. And that is not true at all. Yeah. In fact, when you talk about who Jesus is, and he is the one eternal God in Trinity, right? Yeah. Three in one. And he loves us. And he desires to have a relationship with us and he created us. This is very, very different than Hinduism where you have somebody who had a lotus growing out of mm -hmm. his belly and then there was another person who took the lotus and created everything and took another aspect of himself and and out of that created a cow, and a cow is the highest under the humanity form. That's yeah. why a lot of them have sacred cows. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a very different way of thinking. Yeah. But it's also 
different in that it's not the truth. Right, yeah. And that's what's so saddening about it because they're following something and it's really to no end. They don't even know what the end is. They don't know who it is that actually got them on this path because there's so many gods. And yet we have Jesus and we have scriptures. We have evidence for those scriptures. Mm -hmm. We have evidence for his existence. We have evidence for the resurrection. And not only that, we have the love of who he is in our lives to be able to express why would be we would be doing those things for our relationship with him yeah and and all of that is foreign to their concept when we're talking to people who are coming out of that background or have that religious form um, it's helpful for us to mark out when we're talking about jesus that jesus isn't a western idea because they and and we need to think that way because we tend to think that's an Eastern world and an Eastern religion, so that's the Eastern way they worship, and we just we worship differently. And 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 you're breaking that down for us. It's not two different paths to the same thing. It's a false false truth and a real truth. But when we're communicating Jesus, we need to be clear that we're not attaching Jesus to Western ideas because they think that way too. Jesus is your God. We have these gods. And no, we're saying Jesus is the God. There's no other gods. But if we attach him too much to Western ideas, they won't ever see past the fact that you're just you're just worshiping Jesus because you're Western. And and we don't we don't want to make them Western. And if, and we we don't want to have to overcome that whole thing. We need to present Jesus as the one true God. And so removing him from Western idealism, I think, is important for us. That is so true on so many levels. Within Hinduism, there is an idea that wherever you grow up, you think that way because that's where you grew up. Mm -hmm. Within Christianity, there is an objective truth. And so it doesn't matter where you grow up. You become Christian because God has drawn you to himself and he has given us the scriptures and he opens our eyes and we can walk with him, but it doesn't matter where we are. So it is very important. Yeah. The idea that Jesus is not one among many gods, uh, when you're talking with someone that's got a Hinduism, even a, a, a Buddhist background, but especially a Hindu background, Jesus isn't just one among many gods. He's claiming, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's the exclusivity of the gospel. We talk about that regularly. But it's very critical that we're letting him know that is the claim of the scriptures. It's the claim of Christianity, and it's what we're believing in. He's not one among many. He is the one true God. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, he's talking to Thomas, and we've mentioned this before. Jesus and Thomas are having a dialogue in the gospels and thomas looks at jesus and says well tell us the way and jesus says i am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me it's interesting that he says that to thomas because thomas is the one who is sent out to go and make disciples and where does he go india mm-hmm. which is the place where hinduism has come out of yeah. all of that area 
and all of those different gods at that time would have been within that religion. So I just think that it's peculiar that Thomas is the one who's hearing this from Jesus. Then he goes to India and he shares and proclaims the gospel. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. Because he, what the truth he needed, uh, he got from Jesus to go for the mission he had. And, and that's something that you've pointed out. Um, when you're sharing Christ with other people, you God gives you what you need in that moment. There's not a one-time fix for every witnessing encounter. I can't get one strategy and use it for everywhere I go in the world. And so what he said to Thomas was what Thomas needed where he was sent. Uh, and, and you could point out other examples like that in Scripture as Jesus gave people. And that's what it says. The Holy Spirit will give us what we need, right, yeah. uh, as, as we witness it and, and share. Um, that conversation that Jesus and Thomas had was right before the crucifixion. And that's something critical as we talk with uh, people with a Hindu or Buddhist-type mentality, worldview, or background. Uh, Jesus did more than die. And we camp on crucifixion or resurrection. That's central but their life is caught up in knowledge and gaining enlightenment and those kinds of things. And so sometimes when you're talking to them, it'll be the teachings of Jesus that might strike their heart. It may be his kindness and his compassion and his action of healing and mercy, which they're not used to seeing in their world, that might be what strikes them and the Holy Spirit uses. And so you want to present the whole picture of Jesus. Not, we, want, we always want to race to the cross. Uh, and that's central, yeah. but you need to give them the whole picture. When we talk about uh, the idea of, of Hinduism and Buddhism and, and the concept of suffering being attached to that, we also want to point out to people that suffering is not the human problem. Sin is the human problem. Their suffering is a result of sin. And so you can use suffering as a starting place, but what you're wanting to get them to is sin. You, uh, yes, we all suffer. It's common among people, but the cause is sin. Our, 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 our life isn't based in suffering. Our life is based in God made us and created us, and sin caused suffering, and he's going to resolve that. And so you want to help them see that. Um, it's going to take time, and it's going to take prayer. These are not—you can plant seeds in, an, in a small encounter— but really what you're hoping to do is you're going to have to build a relationship and take time and prayer and show them acts of love and kindness. Let them see you putting Christianity into action. That's what's going to bring somebody from that worldview to understand what you're talking about as you as you speak about Jesus and what you believe in, in terms of Christianity. So Deanna, it's a great conversation about these two world religions that... Um, seem far removed, but just again and again, you see how they're impacting our culture. And so we're living around people who think this way and live this way. Uh, even if it's out of their own atheism or agnosticism, these ideas really are what are there implanted. So we have the opportunity to love them and witness. I hope this helps you as you do that. Thanks for listening to the analysis.